Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadge Assad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, corporeal and non-corporeal listeners. Indeed, greetings to everyone. If this is the first time you're listening to our podcast, thank you for trying something new. We are a pair of automotive journalists, Ben and I, and you can find our work all over the internet. In fact, Ben, he usually has this long list of uh, publications that he writes for. He gives it to me every time. I never listen to it. In fact, I just give him the opportunity to plug his his publications himself. So, Ben, go for it. Tell I've him. tried everything. I've tried writing it in fruit roll-ups. I've tried smearing it in chocolate sauce on a dessert that I know Sammy likes. Um, I've tried sending him an animated GIF. Uh, yep, that's usually the only way to get me to like something. Yeah. Sammy is like 90% GIF oriented. If you want to get his attention, anyone out there, just send him a GIF. He'll, he's right on that. Yeah, I, I will watch it thoroughly. Um, over and, and over, I, and I'll, over. Get the, I'll get the gist of what you're telling As me. As though hypnotized. If there's, a, if there's a long video with some audio in it, nah, forget it. Not going to happen. Is it a GIF, Ben? It's, it's, if it's a GIF, then you're good. Good to go. Yeah. Or GIF. No. Never. We don't do GIF? No one should ever, no. Wow. I'm sorry. Jif, though, is my favorite peanut butter. Shout out to Jif. Uh, it has icing sugar in it, which startled me when I read the, the um, ingredients, I think, like five years after I switched to Jif. But not enough startling to switch me back. I'm still on the craft peanut butter with the with the bears. If they've got bears on a – anything's got bears on the lo- on the cover of it, that's mine. Beats bears and Battlestar Galactica that, and exactly. gifts. That's that's what Sammy's all about. So if you want to find my work that is unrelated to peanut butter or bears, um, you can go to Car and Driver, Motor Trend, Inside Hook, Driving Line, or Haggerty. Um, and for myself, if you want to listen to more of my non-peanut butter-oriented opinions, you can head over to autotrader.ca, driving.ca, Nouveau Magazine, and TechSpot. I feel ben, like my peanut butter yes. opinions would be a great name for a podcast. <laughs> Is that what you want to do next? Uh, that At least that has a real name to it. We, we, why didn't? Where was this creativity when we were coming up with this podcast name? Well, honestly, it's uh, I don't think we ever expected that five years later we'd be saying unnamed automotive podcast. So no, absolutely not. I didn't think um, I didn't think we'd get a listener base so quickly, but we did, and now we're stuck with the name. I think. Um, ben, what are we talking about this week, though? Cars, probably. Hopefully, yeah, I think so. No more peanut butter. Well, um, I don't eat in my cars most of the time because, you know, bugs. But, um, yeah, uh, I drove something this week that's very similar to the last vehicle that I drove. And yet it didn't have the same impact on me, Sammy, uh, which is really weird. When you say because uh, bugs, are you talking about like software bugs, like MIB bugs? No, I'm talking talking about about... the crumbs that I leave behind. But uh, there were no bugs in the vehicle I drove, which was the 2022 Hyundai Kona N. Hyundai Kona N. And the N stands for what again? The N stands for performance. Put it in N, Sammy. And and, uh, I want to point out, as I mentioned, I believe in the last show, uh, our listener Blake pointed out to me that he kind of hates the Kona N because it's the vehicle that killed the Veloster N. And he's not wrong about that. It is a larger than Veloster, but not by much hatchback that they sell as an SUV, even though it pretty much has no ride height differential between it and any other hatchback. Uh, But the N package and package. Sorry, I shouldn't say that because there is an N line version of this vehicle that yeah, looks. Yeah, say N line, N package. Yeah, it gets confusing. <laughs> Too many consonants, but uh, it's it's 
it, there's an endline version that looks fancy and fast, but this is the actual end that has the same drivetrain as the Elantra end that I drove last week. Um, there's a few differences, though. So And technically the Veloster end? Technically the Veloster end, except the Veloster end, I believe, is down on power versus both of them. I think it was 260 horsepower, if I remember correctly, and the Kona N is 276 and 289 pound-feet of torque. Uh, the, the other similarities, though, the Kona N is front-wheel drive. It is not all-wheel drive, which is kind of what you would expect from a performance crossover, right? And you can get a turbocharged Kona all-wheel drive model. Yes. Granted, that's... it's not exactly like – it's not a performance car. No, that's But the... it feels really good off the line. That's the end line. I drove that earlier in the year. And, yeah, it's all-wheel drive. Uh, it has a 1.6. It's 195 horsepower and 195 pound-feet of torque. So there's a pretty big power difference between these vehicles. Yeah, that's not enough. It's, it's – uh, also worth noting that the Kona N, unlike the Elantra, is only available with an automatic transmission. That's not a right. That's not right at all. So you get the standard... What kind of performance... Wait, that's the thing nowadays. Every performance car now is available only in automatic. Pretty much. So the Veloster <laughs> had both. The Elantra has both. But the Kona doesn't. The Kona is narrowing down. Now, if you want a... After this year, which is the last year for the Veloster N, if you want a high-performance compact, you're going to have to get... Uh, the Elantra, if you want a manual transmission, there's no from from Hyundai. There's no other option. Mm-hmm. But um, what there's a bunch of stuff about this vehicle that is very different from the Elantra. I really liked. I don't know if you remember. It's been a, it's been a week, but I really liked the Elantra, and it was a lot of fun. Kona N should have been the same kind of thing. A little, I think, it has a little bit shorter wheelbase, uh, and it's probably the same weight. And it has, since it's the automatic, it has the N grin shift, which is like the NGS feature. It's it's an overboost system. You get like 10 more horsepower roughly for 20 seconds. It actually really works. Well, you need to slow down for a moment. N grin? What? N grin shift. That's what they call it. N grin shift? What yeah. does that mean? It Those doesn't mean anything. three things that are not related it's to It's three one words that are on a button. <laughs> well, no, a letter and two words. You push the button and things get real for 20 seconds. This is a boost button. Yes. Uh, push the pass button or something. It's like when you used to play video games in the arcade and you would mm-hmm. push that boost and you would get like 20 seconds of boost and you, it, things would go crazy. Like, you know, yes. you'd barely be able to control the vehicle. Well, with the Kona and it's like that, except instead of things going crazy, the torque steer gets crazy. Oh no. <laughs> this this vehicle has an electronically controlled limited slip. Okay, good. Uh, so that should be good. Yes. That should control all torque steer, right? But unlike the Elantra, it is a handful. It feel, you really, I don't know. I really felt way more torque steering this vehicle than I did in the sedan. And maybe it's because the DCT is just much better at transferring power to the front wheels. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard to tell, but it was it was quite a different experience. Um, I also found the car to be a bit bouncy, even with the, it has, like the Elantra, you can configure the suspension, the steering, all that stuff. There's like different drive modes that are controlled by end buttons on the steering wheel. And even with stuff set to full soft, the Kona N was a bit of a handful. It felt like um, much stiffer, I guess, than the Elantra and not quite as comfortable. So I was surprised by that. Is there a weight difference between the Elantra and Kona? Like a significant weight difference? Off the top of my head, I could not tell you. I would not think it's huge. I don't think it would be a huge difference. Okay. Um, They're roughly the same size. I think the Elantra might be a little longer. And Mm -hmm. again, wheelbase could be a difference. 
Okay. But I don't have those numbers in front of me. All, all I have are my imperfect human driving impressions. So, and in which case, your 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 impressions are saying that the car feels a little bit more, a little less refined than the Elantra. Certainly, NGA. yeah. It, it's 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 more rambunctious, but not in the same way that the Veloster N was. Where How I felt is like it more rambunctious if it's the same powertrain and all that. It just sounds like it's because not of the suspension right. tune, the suspension uh, tune, and the way it overwhelms the front wheels. It just makes it feel less controlled than the Elantra and. The Veloster N was rambunctious, but in a more conspiratorial way, like it was alongside of you having fun. This okay. just kind of feels like um, you're crashing the party. <laughs> it's, um, it's not a bad vehicle. I just want to say it's not a bad vehicle. I don't want to, these are these are. What is it then? Like that's that you you mentioned traits that don't sound particularly savory. You know what I mean? Like I think appetizing. If you want a cheaper X2, if you want a cheaper AMG GLB. This is kind of where you're looking. But those it's, bad boys are all-wheel drive. Yes. That is a big difference. But it has <laughs> the same footprint, roughly, which okay. means, you know, it's good if you're a couple. But if you're a family, there's really not enough room inside for cargo and kids and stuff. It's it's a bit tight. Um, it looks good. It's pretty stylish. I would say as stylish as the Germans, no question. The The interior is decent. Not as nice as the Elantra. Um, but but it's, it's, it's fine. Uh, it's, it's got a, it's a lot noisier than the Elantra. That's for sure. Okay. Yeah. And it's. Is that probably because of the like two box body style? You just hear things through the, through it's the hatch. Probably a more? big, it probably is a big part of that. Yeah. Uh, it's. Where else you've got like sound deadening between the rear seats, I guess. Right. Too. That helps. If you, if you kind of look around. In the, in an Elantra. Yes. Yeah. And, and you also, I think the Elantra is stiffer because the, the uh, if you remember, we were talking, if you fold down the rear seats in the Elantra, there's that bar that goes across. Oh, yeah. Like, this doesn't, you don't have that in this vehicle. No bar? Well, no, because it would intrude on the cargo area. We, it, we didn't seem to mind about it impacting the <laughs> the folding rear seats. That, is, valid, that is a very yeah. valid point, but I think people are maybe more sensitive to it in yeah. the SUV space because it's like right in your face. You know? I, I, <laughs> I want to talk about this a little bit. Um, I uh, appreciate what, what Blake said to you about killing the Veloster N, but I think in the long run, sales killed the, the poor sales killed the Veloster N. Well, yeah, so but th- I'm th- blaming our listeners really for not buying uh, Veloster's. Uh, and that's why it died, obviously. But the thing is, line space is limited, right? So if yeah. you have two vehicles that essentially target the same customer, you're going to devote resources to the one that sells better. And I think that's what happened with Kona. And now we've got the Kona and the Elantra and models that are they fighting for the same the same? No, customer? not at all. I no. don't think so. I think they're why? very different. Well, I and mean, ha- no one buys sedans. So, I mean, ding, ding, ding. There's this point number one. <laughs> So that that's funny to me then. If no one buys sedans, do you think more people buy sedans than they do subcompact hatchbacks? No, I don't think so. But I will find out. So then out. the Veloster should have worked. The Elantra shouldn't got should have gotten the cut. No, the Veloster was selling. <laughs> I don't. Did you just try to trick me? <laughs> no, I, I was just trying to suggest that uh, when it comes to performance vehicles, I think the hatches are are always a little bit more. But, yeah, they they still don't they don't sell strongly. I mean. No, Americans don't buy hatches. That's just how it is. And okay. I think the subset of people who buy performance hatches is even smaller. Right. You know, you can't have a vehicle lineup that's led by a performance hatch. I mean, look, look at um, Volkswagen. You, you can't get a Golf anymore, right? You can only get the GTI. Mm-hmm. This product, this launch, this Kona N, it stresses me out because I can't find a direct compar- competitor for it. Um, like you said, it, it reminds you of a more affordable um, AMG or, or or M line product. I was thinking maybe like 
This is a stupid suggestion, but isn't there a turbocharged version of the Mazda CX-30? I think a much closer comparison is the Mini Countryman John Cooper Works. But that's also all-wheel drive. Everything's all-wheel drive. Why didn't they go all-wheel drive with this? I really wish I could tell you. The only thing I can think of off the top of my head is that it would have been expensive to develop that drivetrain. Because they okay. didn't have it off the shelf. This is this is basically the same thing we've seen since Veloster, that mm. where they've updated the motor and gotten us some more power out of it. But it's it's not like they reinvented the wheel here. Whereas if they wanted to make it all-wheel drive, they'd have to have a transfer case that could handle the power and the torque. Mm-hmm. And I guess they don't have that. Or they don't have that in a way that is economically viable. But the rambunctiousness that you described and the unrefinement that I described could have been solved with an all-wheel drive system. No, I don't think so, because I think a lot you of You wouldn't it, get the same torques, dear. But also the suspension tune is a really big part of it. Yeah. Um, the other thing, I just looked up sales numbers. So the Kona does not sell as well as the Elantra, but it's very Ooh. close. So okay. 127,000 units for Elantra in 2021 and 89,000 for Kona. So it's about 30% behind. And then the Veloster must have been like, what, 3,000 for I haven't a whole even year? Looked, <laughs> like, I haven't even looked. But I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's bad news. Yeah, no, no, no chance. Um, so I, I imagine if it was your choice, you had to get an Elantra and I mean, a, a Hyundai N branded vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Get it out. Those Veloster are... sold 1900 examples last year. Oh, wow. I overestimated. And the year, be- the year before that 6,700. There you go. The best it's ever done was the second the, the, the year after it was released and it did thirty eight thousand. So it's never yeah. been in the same league as as it used to did. share though, it used to share a platform, I think, with the accent, right? And I think that's no longer as a, a, a priority for Hyundai. So now it's like this weird no man's land car that has no support on the automaker side. Getting back to your question. What, what, what did I ask? One I can't I remember. Pick. Which oh, one yeah. You had to buy an N-branded vehicle. Elantra because of the manual. Of course. The DCT um, is good in this vehicle. I just don't want it. You know yeah, what I mean? So like that, that is the answer that I think a lot of people will end up answering, right? Like saying, repeating to you. I think that manual transmission will hit the enthusiast fan base more than like the kind of casual, um, I need one car to do it all. In the in the Kona, I don't think anyone is casually buying an end product. I don't really know if people who shop for something like the regular Kona, mm-hmm. you know, you know, we always talk about that syndrome where you go into the BMW dealership and we're like, why does the X6M exist? And it's because there's someone out there who wants the most expensive X6 and they don't care about anything else, right? Right. I don't. That, you're right. Track. They don't care. This never happens on in in a Hyundai dealership. Right? I don't think people look at the Kona and they're like, I want the most expensive Kona. I think if you have more money. And you want the Kona, you instead get a Santa Fe. Yes. So what you're getting here, or the Tucson, yeah. what you're getting here is um, an, a, a, a driver who wants a little bit more engagement from their vehicle, a little bit more fun, and they have to pick between a Kona and an Elantra. Yeah, or... And the Elantra yeah. seems to make more more sense because you get that manual. The Maybe only more problem realistically, is that- though, they're not picking between a Kona and, a, and an Elantra. They're picking between a Kona and a GTI, and they don't trust German... Uh, electronics or reliability or maybe they're picking between a kona and a civic type r and the type r is a lot more expensive okay and really extroverted yeah so it i think that you know i don't know if this is really i don't know if kona takes buyers away from elantra and only in the end line i don't think so on, on this end suggestion and discussion i don't i um, really don't i really don't know if it does 
So are you happy that this car exists? That's sure. The I mean, it's That's always great question, to have. Right? It's always great to have more enthusiast cars. There aren't many it's hot a hatch. True enthusiast car, car. That's what I'm trying to ask. Like, this is a real, fully full. It's not like sure. a oh, t- toss the enthusiast a bone. No, that was what the end line was. Yeah. Which you can get, and it's fine. I mean, if you, it's a lot less expensive. This is $35,000 for the Kona N. Uh, I always felt like the GLI, that Jetta GLI, and the latest uh, Civic SI feels a little less enthusiast-oriented, right? Well, I mean, the Kona N blows both of those vehicles away power-wise. It's really right. hard to compare them. Even the Kona N line is $10,000 less than the Kona N. Right, but what I mean to say is that it, it, it there's like a difference between saying, here's a little bit more power, enjoy it, and... Here's a bit more power and, you know, there's the right styling and here's the right noise and here's the, you know, right steering. And well, yeah, right it's not – it's, with GLI, it's not like – It's not a truck car. It's not a bloated luxury type kind of thing. Like the, right. the Kona is like here's a bunch of stuff all at once, power, suspension, you got the limited slip. You've got a whole bunch of like configuration. You have overboost. I mean, this is stuff that with the GLI you really don't get, and with this SI you get even less of that. Like the, the SI, I, I haven't driven it yet. I have one coming in about a month, but it's from what you've told me, it really just feels like a, a bigger motor or a, a yeah. more boost in the regular Civic. Yeah, it feels like a better Civic, and that's it. Yeah, it feels and like what the Civic should have been from the start. Well, the, the current Civic is quite. Good. What I mean to say, it just doesn't feel like a car that you go. You know, you build a fan base around. Like I don't yeah. know what to, how else to no, say. No, that's it. that's a good way of putting it. I think I think you could build a fan base around the Kona N. I'm mm-hmm. sure that this is the kind of car that will inspire a lot of tuners, uh, and and as well it should. It's just not exactly my cup of tea. And maybe if I hadn't driven it right after the Elantra N, which I was so impressed with, I would have liked it a little more. I think it's fine, and I think people should drive it if you're in the market for this kind of thing. Maybe I'm just not in that market. Maybe True. I need. Maybe I need my small cars to engage me with a manual transmission. Maybe that's what it is for me. I like what you said, though, about it kind of about like you supported my idea of building a community about it. Now, the question is, do you think Elantra N and Kona N can coexist? Yeah, there can be only one. They hang out in the same circles like they have their own Hyundai N meets. I don't yeah, know. It's going to be rough. I mean, there's going to be a lot think of... they they separate? There's like, it's like boys and girls on different sides of the gym during gonna the first dance. It's going to be a lot of friction. Dance. <laughs> it's going to be like Jets and Sharks. It's, you, can't, uh, you can't mix it together. What? Jets and Sharks? Are those soccer, t- uh, hockey team? Sammy, when you're a Jet, you're a Jet all the way from your first cigarette to your last dying day. It is a hockey team, isn't it? It is absolutely not a hockey reference, but let's move on. <laughs> Uh, how much did this thing cost again? $35,000. That's not bad. And that's that's what made me think JCW Mini. But I, yeah, JC, JCWs are cool though. They're fun. JCWs uh, are like humorously fun. Not Maybe not anymore. But I they find they have it. that same level of bounciness that you get with, with the uh, Kona N. Ooh. Also not the reliability that you could probably expect from a Hyundai. And isn't Mini like taking away manuals for like a year or something? Yeah, you can't get a manual this year. Like they're 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 supposed to come back, but you, for 2023, which is where the order sheet is on 2023 now at Mini, you can't yeah. buy manual transmissions. It's wild. Uh, that it's, it's, it's a parts like it's problem. Back. That sounds no. That doesn't sound like it's finished. Like that. That's their way of slipping in a. We're not making manuals. It's anymore. it's a it's a parts availability problem, from what I understand. But you know, Ongoing. It's, I was thinking when I was looking at this car, is. Back in the early 2000s, you could get so many, like, weird hot rod crossovers, right? You could yeah. get a PT Cruiser Turbo. 
you could get a Dodge Nitro SRT4, which is like the rarest of the SRTs. You Are could, they? I see a bunch of them around here. Well, okay, I, cool. We, we move in different circles, but yeah, I know. And you could get like the HHR SS, you know, which mm-hmm. was again, what is that vehicle exactly? It's like an Ecotec Turbo, I believe. Good turbo, point. We're all turbo. Um, Good point. And now but you can't get anything the, like not, that. None of the Asian automakers were like jumping into this segment, were they? Well, I mean, Hyundai wasn't doing performance at all, and the Japanese hadn't really – performance crossovers weren't a thing, you're right, in Japan um, at, at that level. Like, I don't even think – I mean, the only people who were really doing performance crossovers in Japan were Infinity. I'm thinking hard. With I the guess FX. So. Yeah. I mean – that's a luxury car. Like, I don't know if that counts the same way as – But it's it the, like saying a BMW. Honda didn't do it. Toyota didn't do it. Mazda didn't do it. I mean, none of, none of those car companies in, in that era, in the, in the mid-2000s, nothing. So it was Detroit or nobody. And now it's essentially nobody except for Hyundai. Like, I can't yeah. think of another crossover that is – we used to have the Juke, which was fun to drive. It's gone. Um, oh, yeah. The Juke was sweet. Yeah. And th- there, there's really nobody else. liked the Juke until it, until it was gone. I like the Juke. The juke no, nobody fun. really liked. The there juke was a guy was in one of my lapping clubs who would bring a Juke and not even the Nismo Juke, just like the standard <laughs> Juke. And yeah. he would beat the tar out of it on the racetrack. That's amazing. And he had so much fun. But they, they managed to put a manual transmission in a front wheel drive version of that. And yes. Then all, all the other ones, the all wheel drive ones were, they were, were all, men were automatic or CVTs yeah, or something. They were all CVTs. Yeah. So Hyundai probably paid attention to that. They probably pulled a focus group on that. No, I don't think anyone would. If you wanted your presentation to go well, you wouldn't st- You wouldn't have a slide with the juke on it, right? <laughs> probably not. It's probably dooms your presentation right from the start. <laughs> Unless the designer of the juke is in the same room. Oh. It's probably not going to work. Shout out to the juke, though, a vehicle that I really liked. Um, so what made you... Are you disappointed that those kind of... Like the the... The availability of those kinds of cars are disappear have disappeared, or are you happy that we're at this level, this quality level that you get with the Kona N? I don't know. It's like, would you like two more options of the Kona N? A lot of those Detroit-based hot rod SUVs were basically just parts bin specials where they put stuff together and hoped someone would like it, and it wasn't necessarily as concentrated an effort as what you find in the Kona N. Like the the PT Cruiser Turbo is like a perfect example of that. Uh, I've heard I've heard crazy stories about people pushing the boost on those bad boys. Yeah, I mean the engines were good, but what everything around it was like not at the same <laughs> level as what you'd find in the front end. Yeah. I, I'm glad this exists. Uh, if I was thinking though, like if I look around the small crossover world, what what else would I want to see like this? I wouldn't be mad if there was a fast Bronco Sport. I mean that, that would be cool. What? Right? Yeah, why not? Why not? Why? Because Broncos, you, you well, why asked not, me. Why not just a... Re- <laughs> okay, <I laughs> that's guess that. why. So that's the only one you could think of? Um, I, I would imagine actually an Escape well, ST would be cooler than a Bronco Sport. No, I don't think, the, I don't think so. I, I, want, I want the Bronco Sport ST. I essentially want a Focus ST in a in a in a an escape i don't know i don't I, I actually just want an <laughs> focus st i don't want an escape actually yeah. sorry that's <laughs> never gonna happen um what what else would i like to see like this i mean thinking about it does nissan have a small crossover I and mean, you wouldn't want a, like a high performance rogue i, I want a anyone... kicks i want a i want a Ooh. 300 horsepower to the front wheel kicks a high performance <laughs> kicks would be fun because it's so light yeah i think yes. that that's i i take back the bronco suggestion i'm going all in on kicks Okay. That would that would be my choice. Don't um, they have a one point five tur- a one point six turbo that's in like the Sentra? Yeah, but I don't. I want a two liter. I want something crazy. <laughs> what, what's yeah. in the SCR? 
I can't I don't remember. Know. I think it's just the one point six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. Okay. So we get a we get a kicks ser, which is cool. I'm reminding listeners this is Ben's imaginary world where he has. I don't know some sort of rational control over the some some rational control over the automakers. We get a kick. You can make SSR whatever you want, and everyone's happy. Or how about a Chevy Trailblazer SS? No, nobody really liked the Trailblazer. Wow. Okay. Well, turning that page, um, I don't really have anything else to say about the Kona. It's uh, I, I like the regular Kona a whole lot. I like this one maybe a little bit less, which is kind of weird. I think it looks great weird. though. It, it looks really. Do you cool. like this one a little less than the regular Kona? I think so. Yeah, it has a cool. Might have that cool like white and blue paint where you can't really tell depending on what light it's in, what color it is, and it looks very nice. White or blue? It yeah. sounds like it's like a that very light blue. Right. Those two colors don't come together very easily. It's That's a very cool. exactly. It fools the eye. Nice. Um, I did some uh, traveling around, and I went all the way to Europe to drive a car that we won't be getting in North America. But should inform my opinion of a, an eventual, eventual product that we are getting in North is, America. Is that traveling around why we're, we're releasing this, po- this podcast on a Tuesday night? Always. Okay. Um, so basically I went to Mazda's European headquarters to drive a car known as the CX-60. So that when the CX-90 starts landing on people's radars, I can tell people what it might be like. This is a convoluted way of previewing a car. It's kind of yeah. like... Giving somebody an iPhone 13 and asking them for their opinion on the iPhone 13 Pro. So, okay, I don't understand what you just said, but I'm going to (laughs) say CX-60, we're not getting that, right? No, we're not getting it. We're getting two cards called the CX-70 and CX-90. The 90 will come first. So what links all these together? What's a the lot we- links these things together. They What's all the run one weird the same, trick? <laughs> the, they all run a, uh, a rear-wheel drive-based platform. Wait, what? Yep, as well as a new mild hybrid powertrain and an inline-six engine that will be coming as well. So, so there's uh, a whole re- bunch of new things happening here. Just to recap, there's only one rear-wheel drive vehicle in the Mazda lineup currently, and that is the yeah. Miata. The MX-5, yes. Yes. And we haven't had another rear-wheel drive Mazda since the RX-8. Yeah, that's right. So and you're so telling me I'm, we're, I'm we're trying getting... to tell you we we might not be getting a rear-wheel drive product. We're getting a rear-wheel drive-based platform. It will come with all-wheel drive. Okay. That's all I know so far. Um, I assume it'll, it'll come with a rear-wheel drive model, but uh, you never know. Um, and, um, yeah, it's based on a rear-wheel drive platform. This is all new. This kind of, like... You know, there's been years, We for maybe for about three or four years, we've been saying Mazda's kind of been trying to um, show the rest of the industry that they're going, they're aiming a little bit higher than um, the mainstream market, and they're ho- hopefully aiming for a bit more premium or upscale market. And I think rear-wheel drive-based platforms might push them over the over the edge there. Okay, so we've been hearing this for a long time. Yeah. Right, like this, I, yeah. I, I can't, I can't recall how many times I've heard about a Mazda plan to kind of break out of their lane and get some of that sweet, sweet luxury money that they've been totally locked out of. Yeah, like they don't, they don't have an Acura, they don't have a Lexus. Way back when, in the nineties, they had the Cosmo. They, Cosmo. They had like four or five luxury divisions, Sammy, in Japan. Yeah, that's right. Ifini and all these other companies. Auto Zam and and then when the the bubble collapsed the 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 Japanese property bubble 
it wiped Mazda out in terms of their future plans for these vehicles. So they didn't, since they weren't established in North America, they didn't keep going. They had plans to do it and it never happened. So right. I feel like they've kind of really been upset about that for 30 years. <laughs> They're trying to make it happen again. Yeah. They're trying to make luxury Mazda a thing. Exactly. So a rear-wheel drive platform, it's going to be coming to a, a bunch of products. I think it was originally going to be a new Mazda 6 with this platform, but I, I think um, Mazda, you know, read the room and said maybe sedans aren't a, a thing anymore. Yeah, ma- meanwhile, um, Hyundai's still making a lot of trans. <laughs> yeah. So what we've got here, a rear-wheel drive-based um, product, the CX-60 is what I drove, and the best way to describe it is it's very close in size to the CX-50. The CX-50 is not rear-wheel drive, though. It is closer in platform to the, I think, CX-30 or the uh, or the CX-5. So it's a whole different feel, a whole different kind of, like, um, approach to a to a compact crossover. When Wait, so the 60 the is not like the 70 and the 90? It is. Okay, then why is it closer to the 30 and the 5, 50? I said that about the CX-50. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry, I, mis- I misheard you. No problem. That's a lot of random numbers and two. I feel like all I'm hearing is X X X zero. <laughs> yeah. So let's 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 just let's just talk about the CX sixty. Okay. okay. Real, I drove a, uh, an all wheel drive version of this car. Um, it featured a mild hybrid, uh, not a mild hybrid. Sorry, a plug in hybrid powertrain, a two point five liter four cylinder engine, along with an um, an electric motor, um, and they said it made about um, three hundred and twenty horsepower and three hundred and seventy pound feet of torque which is pretty good, um, pretty much on par with their, a, a little bit better, actually, than their turbocharged 2.5 that they have in, in different applications. You said on 320 the, and 370 or 270? Yeah, 370. That is very good. Yeah. Um, so, and efficient, and, and of course, because this is a plug-in hybrid, it will be more efficient. Now, I'm, again, I'm asked to extrapolate this information and apply it to an imaginary car that I haven't seen, the CX-90, <laughs> I would imagine that when the CX-90 comes, it will be it will feel a little less um, punchy because it's a bit, it's going to be a bigger product. It also might not be as efficient because it's a bigger product. This car had 60 kilometers of range, which is about what? 50, it's 45 miles. 45 miles. 45 miles. Um, and again, I imagine that the the CX-90 will will have a difficult time um, getting that from this this power train. unless maybe you know the larger platform allows them to put a bigger battery you never know yeah that is probably the the appropriate response we'll see if that comes to fruition i mean we don't um, know anything about it. it's like it's just so odd that you attended this event and like you said you're you're, you're being asked to extrapolate a car so anything that we say is like equally valid i guess you know <laughs> there's no way I to mean, know. Im- we have i now have an informed guess yes but it's still a guess nonetheless yeah it's like um, it's like you're on a game show called guess mazda's future exactly the cx60 will is also offered with an inline six-cylinder engine Ooh, what now now this <laughs> won't be co- coming to the yes now this won't be coming to the cx90 but a turbocharged inline six will be. So, oh, okay. <laughs> that's another set of worms that. And I don't is that have also a hybrid? No, that is a, a forty-eight volt mild hybrid. Okay, so so Mazda's really swinging for the fence here. So if I'm thinking about this, like if I if I'm looking at this upcoming CX ninety, which exists only in our heads, um, what's it going up against? Is this is this targeting the RX from Lexus? Is this going up against the BMW X three, like X five? What are I, they I, trying I'm, to do? I have a difficult time imagining anyone can successfully beat the uh, the Le- like the RX. The Lexus well, you don't RX have to is so beat popular. the RX. You don't have to beat it, but you could like yeah. out Lincoln Lincoln by making more people. I, I think, guess 
it's trying to leapfrog Lincoln and Buick um, oh, and try to uh, and try to compete against the likes of some of the looks. To be blunt, like Infinity and Acura have really like they've gone stale, right? Oh yeah, for sure. And I can see this really trying to steal a few sales away from those guys. Uh, any, in fact, any other luxury automaker that has a three-row vehicle that has gone stale, I think. I think the CX, the sorry, Cadillac. What's it called? XT6. Yes. Also be considered um, a bit stale. Now. And I can see this trying to to deliver that. So I I'm on the same wavelength as you, but okay. What are there's a big problem between this future you're describing and the reality we're in now, and that's people look at all those badges you just discussed, yeah. and associate them with luxury, and then they look at Mazda and they don't. So they don't. They they associate it to the early 2000s when all, all, every Mazda in the world had like rust problems. Right? Well, I don't know if it's that much if it's if they're making that association, but there's they're certainly not reaching uh, like there's there's vehicles on the market right now, like for example Nissan Maxima. Really, it's a luxury car. It's a luxury car that has gone a bit stale. I don't even know if it's still on sale right now. Yeah, Avalon is the other one, right? No, I wasn't going to say Avalon. I was going to say um, um, vehicles like the Hyundai Palisade, which is... I think this is really closer to the Palisade and will outdo the Palisade because of its dynamics. Remember, my I don't know if you agree with me, but the biggest complaint I had about the Palisade and Telluride, it, they don't, the, the powertrain and the driving dynamics are not like super... They're perfectly fine. Yeah, they're perfect. They don't go the next step. They don't go to that next step, the next level. Yeah. And I think potentially with a rear-wheel drive platform with an inline turbo six engine, Mazda can can get there. Sure. I mean, and Palisade is very, very nice inside. Yeah. And but, this car was really, it had some pretty nice um, materials inside, a, new, a newer layout for the the controls. Um, and it has a really full full digital dash, which looked really slick. You know how much I love those things. I know you, you never stop talking about sending me screenshots there's, all the time. <laughs> there's another element of the car that is worth mentioning. Um, there's a new 8-speed automatic transmission here. Now, remember, Mazda's been making do with a 6-speed for a really long time. Very like a 6-speed automatic for a long time. All I have to and say is, thank goodness it's not a CVT. Now, here's the fun part about this. Oh, no. Most automatic transmissions that we get are either DCTs or CVTs, or they're the old-school torque converter Wait, style. is this both? I don't know how to describe this. This doesn't have a torque converter. It has an 8-speed transmission without a torque converter. Okay. They say it's a multi-clutch setup, so it's not quite a dual clutch. Um, like a one-and-a-half clutch. Like a semi-clutch. <laughs> semi-clutch. Oh, wow. Um, and the other interesting thing about this is you'll men- you'll note that when I called it a mild hybrid, I didn't tell you where the the electric motor was was situated. That's because the electric motor in these four cylinder models is in the is like in the engine bay. It's between the engine and the transmission. Yeah, that makes sense. So the electric power goes through the transmission and then can get routed to the four wheels as needed. Unlike other cars which have an electric motor on the rear wheels or the front wheels or both or whatever. This has like a whole different um, application here. So, you know, Hyundai, I think, is an interesting model for Mazda to kind of follow in this instance, in the sense that it's a company that's really dragged itself out of a position where no one considered its products premium into a place where it's legitimately making a play for uh, people who would have previously bought the nicest Acura or a low-end, or sorry, a low-end Acura, the nicest Honda or the nicest Toyota. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the, I think a big difference is resources. I mean, Mazda is a much smaller company. Significantly they smaller. They can't afford to make mistakes. 
they don't have the volume that Hyundai does, and they don't have giant um, purse strings to pull on if something goes wrong, and they make a model that, like, let's say people decide they don't want a premium Mazda. I mean, what is Mazda going to do? Like, is this is this an all or nothing thing? And and the if that sounds dramatic, I remember. This is a problem. No, you're right, though. This no, is an issue. Mazda has. Just, just continue my thought. A few years ago, when Jaguar brought out the XE, which was supposed to be their volume-selling compact sedan that would go up against the uh, 3 Series and the C-Class and stuff, there were people who had told me that if if this vehicle fails, so does Jaguar. Uh, they, they did not have a backup plan. Um, and we all know what happened with the XE. It did fail. No one wanted it. it. It's very interesting because the XE, I think, was met with critical praise like it wasn't it wasn't a dud in its segment but it's it, just nobody it was, wanted it it was also way too small inside the rear seat That's was right. much smaller than, than its competitors they bench, and, did they bench like the ats they benchmark the like e46 series three series i don't know but like, the ats we got was, the ats was a similar too small in the back <clears> situation <throat> but uh you look at jaguar now and like what they have the f-type they have the um the S- they can't. They canceled the XJ. Yeah, it's done, and they have the the F Pace. I had a story recently about this from from somebody who was working like a, on a supplier for the XJ, and they were told it was canceled while they were testing the suspension, like while they were finalizing the suspension on it. Like, They're apparently still testing versions of the vehicle for a potential electric version. The, so the, the, the the testers get out there every once in a while and people see them um but it's it, it really did hobble the company yeah and, and jaguar has a has a you know sugar daddy in the sense that jaguar that land rover sells a decent number of vehicles and so, the parent company tata isn't exactly as far as i know tata isn't a company that's hurting really but tata is not willing to pour indefinite amounts of money um, <laughs> into jaguar when nothing is working right yeah so all this to say I think Mustin needs to get this right, and I hope they do. I would be intrigued because they've a lot come, of pressure. They've come really close. I mean, the CX nine <clears throat> it was the signature trim level is pretty nice yeah. inside. All of those really high end trim levels are are pretty impressive. But I they, think every time we've we've driven one of the top trim level models, we've said this is very impressive. Yeah, but they're going to have to step away from their obsession with the infotainment system that they they will not let go of. Yeah, I said I I, I said that too. We'll. We'll have to see if the infotainment system changes in this upcoming product. I also have to talk about this. Like, one, um, did you know that a CX50 hybrid is coming? No, I did not. Did you know that it's um, being the hybrid powertrain in the CX50 is being developed in common with with Toyota? Man, that makes sense. I mean, they're they're a partner of Mazda, and like we just talked about, Mazda does not have a ton of resources right. to throw at this kind of thing. But not in the CX50. Is not sorry, not in the CX. 60, 70, 80, and 90 um, will, this is their own Mazda system. The only thing that's like supplier-based here is the battery and powertrain from Panasonic. Well, that makes sense because if you look at um, Toyota's lineup, there's no technology yep. sharing on a straight six with a with a <laughs> battery, right? Like it's. But I was saying for the like the 2.5 mild hybrid, that could work with a any of the prime products, right? Yeah, for Plug-in sure. It's, it's something that they can easily grab kind of off the shelf. If, if not the product, then the knowledge to make the product. But of course, I mean? as you mentioned, those products, the Toyota products don't, are not rear-wheel drive. They're not affixed to rear-wheel drive platforms. So yeah. we're, we're out of luck there. Yes. Um, what, look, this is important uh, to discuss. Mazda's had a tough time um, with some of their developments. You and I have been on events where they showcased do you remember the Sky Active X? I do they, remember the Sky Active X. Do you remember the diesel that never happened? 
I remember the diesel that never happened. It was like one model year for that vehicle. We both remember rotaries gone, right? Yeah. Mazda is not afraid to do weird stuff, but too much weird stuff will have an impact. Yeah, sometimes to its detriment, Mazda tries to reinvent things that already exist. And again, small company maybe shouldn't be doing that. Is going rear-wheel drive based, is going inline six based a weird thing to do? No. I think no. that they... If, That's what they, I was thinking as well. It's it, not as much of a leap as some of those other things, right? And if they want to truly make a, a name for themselves as a premium brand, they can't just make a nicer CX-9. It has to be smoother, better. Everything has to be a, an improvement. It, it can't just be another trim level that you pay more for. It has to be an actual experience that's worthy of luxury. And I think that, you know, the smoothness of an inline-six engine, the driving dynamics of a rear-wheel drive platform... It shows that they're making this effort. I mean, look at Genesis. Genesis yep. didn't reposition the Santa Fe platform and make nope. an SUV on it. And I don't think there are any plans to do that either because they had a very definite idea of what they wanted to do in terms of carving out a brand identity. Um, there is some platform sharing with Genesis, Kia, and Hyundai. I mean, yes, but, G- but G70 and, and Stinger, I think, are related. But those are both premium products. And Ionic... EV6 and I, uh, Genesis GV6. But once you get into once you get into electric vehicles, I yes. mean, it's essentially Lego. So um, I agree with you. I don't think this is as much of a risk as those other products, but they have to deliver. One of the things that caught everyone's attention with the with the Palisade and the Telluride was value. First thing people were like, "Wow, you get a lot of equipment here. You got a really upscale looking interior," um, and that's what got people through the in, in the door. I think. And when they drove it, they're like, "Yeah, for the price, this is a good product." Mazda doesn't yet have that um, reputation for being a value-oriented company. They have a reputation for being um, good to drive, I think, right? Yeah, I don't think they're going to go for value here. So, but when you up the when you up the price, you need to add something to the car. Well, I just more than just more just, than just that. I just explained what they're adding to the car. <laughs> I mean, they're going to fully differentiate it with this drivetrain and this platform. It's, I don't know if everybody will pick up on that message. I don't, I don't know if they will won't. either, but that's what they're a going for. A mainstream shopper won't. It's like now, it's, now they're putting the onus on the media to get the message out, and then eventually that's going to wear thin by the time this car shows up, right? I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I agree with you there. Okay. So that's what I did. It's, um, it does bode well for the CX-90. It is a very um, – the, the CX-60 was very smooth to drive. Uh, that transmission didn't have um, very many hiccups. It didn't feel kind of uh, choppy at low speeds. or, um, And in fact, there were times when I didn't even notice it was really in operation. The electric motor um, blended fairly nicely with the gas engine. And the driving dynamics were, were really responsive. So I, I'm of the opinion that the CX-60 is a very good foundation for the CX-90. We just have to see how they expand it and make it bigger and hopefully make it more um, to fill in the gaps and be something that the CX-9 wasn't. Right? Yeah. What's that big sigh for? I don't know. I just really hope this works for them because <laughs> it's like I would hate to no longer have the Miata on the market. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, we also forgot another weird Mazda that we didn't talk about. The, the MX, what is it called? 30? Their electric car? Oh, why would we even talk about that? But I'm just trying to say that they make weird decisions. That's a compl- That's a compliance car. Yeah, that's a car that they made because they have to make a certain number of zero emissions vehicles to sell cars in California. I mean, but they open did and it. closed. They did it 
Did they do it as cheaply as possible? Yes. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> yes. They, they cut every possible corner. If yeah. they could have used AA batteries, they would have put the AA batteries <laughs> in that CX-30. If they could have sold a car with 20 miles of range, they would have done that. I mean, it's just... Oh, um, don't give me ben, I'm, I'm going to ask you for five more minutes to explain what's going on with your Jeep. Oh, so this weekend I was supposed to do my very first towing journey with my uh, LS swapped Grand Wagoneer. And the whole reason I built this Jeep, well, no, I mean, there's really no reason why I did it. It's, it's this, this Jeep exists outside of reason and time. But um, I wanted a tow vehicle for my Datsun to take to the track because I'm getting old and driving the Datsun like five hours each way, especially after a full day on the racetrack was starting to take its toll on me. Okay. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to take the Grand Wagoneer, which is one of the worst tow platforms ever designed. It has like a short wheelbase and it's notorious for something called wag sag, which is like the rear springs kind of sitting down on the ground when you attach a trailer. But I was like, I will get a low distributing hitch and move some of that weight to the front axles and everything will be fine. So um, a couple of weeks ago, I guess it's three weeks ago now, I did a test towing where I picked up a U-Haul mm-hmm. trailer put the Datsun on it and I attached it to the Jeep and oh my goodness, Sammy, the bumper was almost on the ground. It is. Yeah, it was bad news. It it actually pulled so much weight off the front axle that when I was driving at highway speeds, if I had to brake and steer at the same time, it was chaos. Like it was not safe at all. I did a very brief trip at lower speeds to see if I could pull it off. And the answer is no. <laughs> um, and the re- there's a couple of reasons why this didn't work out. I knew that the springs in the back of the Jeep were a bit tired, but I didn't think they were this bad. And I also had that load distributing hitch that I mentioned. But the problem is on a U-Haul car trailer, you can't install one. It uses something called surge braking, which relies on a long neck of the trailer that moves internally to know when it's accelerating or decelerating. And that's when it activates the trailer brakes. So because the neck is so long, there's no, there's the, the normal um, torsion arms you would use on the trailer hitch to distribute the weight can't be attached. But more than that, you can't stop that motion on the trailer or you lose the brakes. So uh, the solution that I had was not a solution at all. And what I've ended up doing is buying four new leaf springs for the front and the rear and a set of airbag helper springs to put in there that I can load level if this should happen again. So uh, this weekend, I'm borrowing one of my dad's pickups to go to, we're going to Watkins Glen. It's the last track event of the year for me. I have the new head on the on the Datsun. Uh, the Datsun caught, kind of caught fire last week at my mechanics due to a cable coming loose and grounding out to the starter, but everything is fine now. And okay. uh, I'm looking forward to no rain on Monday or Tuesday. Wow. What a what an adventure, Ben. Yeah, it's just like, you know, just when you think the project is done, it's time to shovel more money into the big burning barrel in my garage. Indeed. Um, you guys really, I hope they've all been following your adventures in your in your Wagoneer because every week it becomes more entertaining um, or yeah, sad. I'm sure on... it's entertaining from the outside. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm really worried for you sometimes. I hope you know this. Like, I hope you're okay with what you're doing. Uh, well, you know. <laughs> it, it keeps you going, eh? Yeah, it's something. It, it, does it make you feel like something is depending on you? The, the Wagoneer is depending on me? I can't give up now. Anything to distract from the grave, Sammy. Exactly, that's right. Um, If you're looking for a distraction as well, you can head on over to our website, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com, where you can see all of our, I don't know, 250, 280 episodes that we've been doing for the past five years. Lots of content, 
Listen to it, click it, tell us which ones are your favorite, if there are any favorites, or what inside running joke you like, uh, what running inside joke that you like the most. That's cool. Head on over to our website, yep, Unnamed Automotive Podcast. While you're there, you can uh, fill out a contact form, and that's one way to get in touch with us. Um, additionally, you can reach out to us on social media. You can find Ben on Instagram. He's at Hunting Benjamin. Um, and you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. Or you can email us the old-fashioned way. It's Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com. You can also um, find us on all your podcatchers. We're on Spotify, um, CastBox, Google, Amazon, Apple, everywhere good podcasts are available. We are there, so just type Unnamed Automotive Podcast into the box. Clickety-click on subscribe, and there you go. And leave a review or a rating or what have you. That always helps us out. And if you want to send a little tip our way and uh, you know help Sammy help me pay for those springs, <laughs> yeah, you can please. do that at Ko-Fi. KO-FI forward slash unnamed automotive podcast. Uh, you can send us a tip there. Sammy, what are we going to be talking about next week? Uh, depending on my mood, I can talk to you about the new Range Rover Sport or the Volvo S90. I mean, one of those things is interesting. Yeah, one, of th- one of them. And you're going to find out next week. I'm going to be talking about something that's totally crazy, and that is the 2023 Cadillac Escalade V which is a real thing that happened that I drove, and I have a lot of thoughts about it. Excellent. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on those, because that's a wild-sounding car, or truck, or whatever we want to call it. All right. So be sure to check in with us next week. I'm Sammy Hadjassad. That's Ben Hunting. See you later. Bye, everybody.